Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. stuff happening here and we've got our brotherhood prayer meeting that's going to be going off this Thursday 6:30 p.m. here that is in the evening and just such a great time of fellowship to come together and pray uh, with one another and also this Wednesday night we've got our empower leaders meeting if you lead and uh, in, in under a ministry or in a ministry or serve then you are really welcome to come out on Wednesday night we're really excited about how God's positioning us as a church in this season and we're going to be talking a little bit about that uh, in this in this Wednesday night so we'd love you to come along we've got a church building that we're going to be going after um, and so we just want you to hear about that and we want to share our journey uh, with you at this time so Wednesday night 7:30 priority <laughs> so good hey well this morning it is uh, a, it's always a great honor and privilege to have Kev, to have Kevin Forlong uh, with us. Some say that he has been coming to thrive for over 10 years. 20 years. Others say it's more like eight years. We don't actually know, but whatever it is, it is always awesome to have Kevin in the house. He has been uh, a leader in the marketplace. He's led churches in Auckland and in Melbourne and been a part of uh, great organisations seeing the the Kingdom of God and the church and the message of Jesus honoured globally. And so it's like, this guy is awesome. And so we just so appreciate the deposit that you bring to this, uh, how, uh, to our church and as a father's voice into our church family. So how about we stand to our feet, put our hands together as we honour Kevin this morning. God bless you. Please take your seat. Great to be with you once again in this great church. It is a great church. It is a great church. Some of you believe me. Some of you are not sure. It is an awesome place. And God is up to something. Aren't you glad that God is up to something? Amen. In your life, around your life, through your life, uh, in this place. I want you to turn with me this morning in your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 2. And uh, I believe this, what I'm sharing this morning is obviously primarily specific, I believe, to you as a church, but that means it's specific to you as individuals. How many know the church is just the gathering of the people? And so you are the church, both individually and corporately, so what applies to the body applies to us individually. And uh, so in 2 Kings chapter 2, I want to read from verse 9, and just verse 9 and 10, and then we'll look at a passage a bit later. It says in verse 9, this is speaking of Elijah and Elisha, it says, And so it was when they had crossed over, crossed over the Jordan River, that is, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. 
So Elijah replied and said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so. But if not, it shall not be so. Father, I pray that you would bless this word to our hearts this morning. We open ourselves up to you, Holy Spirit. Say, take your word and speak it and make it pertinent and relevant and powerful in each of our hearts and lives, I pray in Jesus' name. So I want to share with you really this morning, if I was going to entitle my message, I would entitle it A City Healing Anointing. And here we see this picture of a double anointing of a double portion of the Spirit that was upon Elijah coming upon Elisha. Elisha had been his servant, had been uh, his disciple for an extended period of time. And so they come to this point where uh, Elijah is about to be caught up And Elisha is to receive the mantle as the primary prophet in the nation. And so this double portion anointing actually catapults Elisha into the ultimate expression of all that he is called to do and be. And you know we could say that for each of our lives, it's really the double portion anointing is about accessing, accessing the, uh, God's power, God's enabling in our lives that's in, uh, that will equip us to fulfill the ultimate purpose that He has for us. And so the double portion uh, comes uh, into the life of Elisha and uh, out of this process that he's been through and aligning his life with the purposes of God and it empowers him to fulfill the purpose. And if we were to take time, we'll look at it in just a moment, but uh, you know, we see the first thing that Elisha did was actually after he received that mantle was to heal the waters of the city. So the double portion anointing is primarily to heal cities, to have a major impact on our community and society, to be a catalyst for change across the region, to reach a generation and to make permanent change in a society. And that's the call that's upon this house. That's the mantle that's upon this house. And I believe God wants to take that to another level at this time, both in your lives individually and in the, over the house corporately. And as we look at Elisha's life, uh, you uncover a process uh, that positioned him to receive this double uh, portion anointing and, uh, and cause him to be aligned with the purposes of God to a greater degree and empowered to fulfill the fullness of all that God intended. How many know God has a purpose for your life and not only you, you can't fulfill the purpose out of your own ability? God wants to take us beyond our own ability, beyond our own capacity, and step into a realm of empowerment by the Spirit that literally catapults us way beyond our own capacity. And I believe that's what God is doing in this day. And so when we look into the background of the double portion, we find the key to receiving the double portion is in fact discipleship. When you read that, you know, Elijah says to Elisha, you've asked for a difficult thing. But if you see me when I'm taken from you, you will receive it, otherwise you won't. In other words, you've got to hang with me all the way. 
if you will complete the journey, see. And, um, and Elisha had to journey with him, had to serve him and, and follow him and stay close to him and learn from him. And uh, Elijah, Elijah said to him, you've asked a hard thing. I want to say to you today that it's a hard thing to be a real disciple, to stay close to Jesus to walk with Him, to embrace all He wants us to embrace, to, to embrace the changes that we need to, to learn what we need to learn and to change where we need to change and grow and go on developing. How many know it's a hard thing? Come on. Don't look at me like I've got this under control. I mean, you know, so when you come on down to verse 19 of, of that same chapter, it says, Then the men of the city said to Elisha, please notice, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. And Elisha said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water. Notice that he, he, he went to the source of the flow into the city. And he cast in the salt there and he prophesied. He said, thus said the Lord, I've healed this water. From it there shall uh, be no more death or barrenness. And so the water remains healed to this day, according to the word of Elisha. See, it wasn't a temporary change. It was a permanent change. Totally changed it. And the double portion anointing is a city healing anointing. It's an anointing that releases both wisdom and strategy and the authority and power to activate that. See, Elisha had a strategy and he had authority, not just power. And strategy is the wisdom of God. Too often over, you know, the history of the church, we've seen people that have understood something about authority and power, but they've had little concept of strategy and wisdom. And so the focus has shifted more onto manifestations rather than strategic change because they haven't had the revealed strategy in order to bring about that strategic change. And, and I believe that's where the shift is right now. The authority is the legitimate right to use power. And it's something that you carry. How many know you got authority to go in the name of Jesus? Come on, somebody. To lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils in His name. But you see, the problem for many of us is we don't believe that we have authority, so we don't activate the power. We carry the power, but the power is dormant because we lack a conviction that we have authority. And so instead of activate, how many know you carry power? Come on, somebody. You carry power, but you have to activate that, see. And, and it's every believer ministry to heal the sick. Turn to somebody and say, he's talking to you. He's talking to you, see. You, you, uh, Jesus said you receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, see. And in my name, you'll cast out devils. These signs follow those that believe. The problem is we've got churches full of unbelieving believers. We believe in Jesus, but we don't believe that we have authority to activate power and to walk in the authority of His name and to release the power of God that we carry so the power remains dormant within us. That's good preaching, brother. That's good preaching. 
And so we have to be faithful with what we've got in order to position ourselves for a greater anointing. And um, Elisha has just received this double portion, and the first thing he does is heal the flow of water into the city. And, uh, you know, the, the city is a pleasant place. The elders say to, to Elisha, you know, this is a great city. We're in a great location. We've got our own water source. How many know you live in a great location? I mean, you need to love this place. This is an awesome part of the world. I got to tell you, these guys took me out for lunch somewhere out in the, I don't know, out wherever it was, out in the country. And you know, you drive through the country uh, around here and it's just a, it's just a fantastic place. And, uh, and we, we get so used to it, we become complacent about it, don't we? I remember we used to have a house that overlooked the harbour in Auckland and uh, people would come in and go, wow, look at that view. And you get so used to it, you don't see it anymore. We become complacent, but you're in an awesome place. But the problem with the city was the water source was bad. And actually the word translated bad uh, actually means that the water caused miscarriages, death and barrenness, and even the land was unproductive. So it looked good, but actually it wasn't good. Water is the basis of life. You can live for a while without food, And that does most of us good to do that from time to time, even though we don't like it. But you can't live very long without water. Water is essential for life. And so what was meant to give the city life, in fact, was the cause of death. It was a deception. The city's in a good location. It's got its own water supply and it looks great, but there's death in the water. And water is symbolic of the flow of spirit life. So the flow of spirit life into that city was causing death, not life. How many of you know there's a flow of things into this town and region that people think is going to give them life, but actually there's death in it? It's a deception. And instead of it giving them life and satisfaction and fulfillment and empowerment, instead of flourishing, they begin to deteriorate because the wells they're drinking at are polluted the worlds of the world, the worlds of darkness and all of that kind of thing. And God steps into the middle of that and He says, I have an anointing for my people that will heal the flow of spirit life into this town and region. I've got a well of living water that when people drink of that, it will heal them. It will set them free. Life will begin to flow. They'll begin to flourish and it's a new day. See, and... um, One of the things I've shared with the guys yesterday morning just very briefly that in the last 12 months or so I've been exposed to some things going on around our local church at home that have just blown my mind. And I guess some of that is probably what's caused me to get a hold of this word, if you like, and to just begin to understand prophetically what God is doing. But a little over 12 months ago now, the uh, international director of our church, who's kind of our executive pastor, uh, the Lord spoke to him about discipling the nation of Papua New Guinea, the whole nation. And uh, it really came out of the fact that our leadership have had this conviction 
that God has called the church not to disciple just individuals, but whole cities and towns and regions and nations. And so they were believing God to begin to orient their thinking and, and, and give them strategy and understanding of how to step beyond where we are. And so the outcome of it is this, that uh, God spoke to Neil, gave him a five-point strategy. Uh, he, he woke him in the middle of the night and said, you know, the first nation you're to disciple is Papua New Guinea. You're to go to Papua New Guinea and have an appointment with the prime minister. And how many know it's hard to get the appointment with the prime minister? And I haven't got time to tell you all the ins and outs, but I got to tell you, God just sovereignly positioned Neil when he arrived in, in Port Moresby without an appointment. And, and God just brought alongside him while he's having breakfast one morning, the cousin and chief advisor of the prime minister who didn't know Neil but got chatting with him, said, what are you doing here? He told him briefly and he said, have you got an appointment? He said, no. And he picked up his phone, rang the prime minister, put Neil on the phone. They had a half hour appointment that afternoon that became a three hour appointment with all the cabinet ministers. And out of that, the prime minister, the cabinet have signed off on a five point strategy for Planet Shakers to disciple the whole nation. Out of that, it means like access to every school, every university, actually providing leadership training based on biblical principles, ethics and values and integrity and all of that kind of stuff for the sitting MPs, for the leaders of government departments, having uh, a whole day with the, the uh, top age students from high schools and university students and every major centre throughout Papua New Guinea and doing training for a day on leadership and how to set your life up for the blessing of God and the favour of God and doing the same in marketplace and then doing the same with evangelism. Come on, somebody. It's another level and God wants us to begin to open our minds to things that we've never seen before, never heard before, things that have never entered into our hearts. But God is coming with a double portion anointing to open our minds to strategy and wisdom and understanding beyond the natural that we might go with that authority and go in the power of His Spirit and see how regions change. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand. And you know, actually, this passage is talking about uh, spiritual warfare. And Elisha is acting out prophetically what God is doing. As a prophetic act, he takes salt, which is a symbol of God's purifying power, and he pours it into the source of the water, and he makes a declaration. He prophesies, he speaks to it, he brings the word of the Lord. How many know that the power, you're, you know, there's an activation in the words of your mouth, but the breakthrough comes in the strategy. See, the breakthrough comes in the strategy. When you have the strategy of God, that's the breakthrough already, but now you've got to activate it, see. And you activate it by what you speak and what you do. It's like, um, uh, like in 2 Samuel 5, uh, David is confronted by the Philistines twice. And twice he inquires of the Lord. Listen, friend, we have to learn to be more diligent in inquiring from the Lord. Many of us are frustrated in life and confused 
confused in life and don't know where we're going because we didn't pay the price to hear what God was saying. Because when you hear what God was saying, that's what gives you the breakthrough. And so David has a revelation twice of a strategy how to defeat the Philistines. And it's different both times. Each time he's got to separately inquire from the Lord and God gives him a different strategy. And the breakthrough is in the strategy and all he's got to take it is activate and begin to believe God and speak it into his environment and prophesy over it and align his life and the life of his men with it and apply the strategy and walk in victory. Come on, somebody. And so, so this is what God is wanting for us in this season. And uh, you'll see in verse 21, uh, he prophesies and he says, thus says the Lord, I've healed this water. Not the salt. The salt is just symbolic. It's the Lord. And so he, he's got the strategy and he begins to make the declaration. How many know prophecy is just saying what God's saying? That's, that's all it is. It's just, it's like Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father doing. That's why it releases kingdom power, see, because there's an alignment of, uh, of our activity, our voice, and all of that with the purposes of God, and it activates it in the, in the realm of the Spirit. It shifts things. It, it pushes back the darkness that opposes us and, and releases us to begin to walk into the purposes of God. So when you look at the background of this, you've got to say to yourself, so what was it about Elisha that enabled God to bring such a phenomenal equipping on his life? You know, Elijah was an amazing prophet of God, but Elisha did twice the number of miracles that Elisha did and, uh, and had in some ways a, a greater impact on the nation and surrounding nations than Elijah ever did. So what was it about it? Well, when you look at it, you see that Elisha had been on a journey with Elijah and he'd committed to a process. Everybody say process. He'd committed to a process of preparation. Everybody say preparation. Come on. He committed to a process of preparation that brought him into a position. Everybody say position. He brought him a process of preparation that put him in a position where God could release a new anointing on his life so that he was catapulted into the fulfillment of all that he was meant. And... Uh, it wasn't just an anointing of power, but of wisdom. And when you study it, you see a disclosure of the strategy that we can employ. How many know God is a God of patents? We ought to learn the ways of God and understand how God works. And we begin to see there's this process of discipleship and preparation in Elisha's life that brings him to the point where he's in a position, he's prepared. And when you go back, you know, and look at his life, you go back to 1 Kings 19 where the call of God comes to him and he's plowing in the field and, uh, and, and the, the call of God comes to him and he takes the ox he's, he's plowing with and kills them and chops up the plow and all the harness gear and, and, and creates a fire and cooks the meat and feeds everybody and have a feast and he says goodbye. He burned his bridges. He got nothing to go back to. He destroyed his, his uh, previous income earning potential. 
And uh, he made a crucial determination that was totally uncompromising. And I want to say to you, you have to do the same thing. You don't have to leave your job. Hear me this morning. <laughs> but in our hearts and in our, uh, the way we think and the way our attitude, we do. We're all called to live by faith. And the highest priority of your life is not what you think it is, it's what God wants you to do. It's about, I was saying to the man yesterday morning, Jesus said that not everybody that comes to me and calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those that do the will of the Father. This idea that you can say a sinner's prayer and make a commitment of your life to Jesus and go on doing what you want to do the way you want to do it and all the rest of that. And when you arrive at the end of your life, it's all going to be sweet, friend. That is a delusion. That's a deception. That's not what the Bible teaches. You don't receive Jesus as your Savior for your eternal future. You receive Him as Savior and Lord. That means Master. That means King. Come on, somebody. You want to see? That's why Elijah said it's a hard thing to be a real disciple. And Jesus said, You've got to deny yourself every day. And so, and right from the beginning, he makes this uncompromising commitment to the call and purpose of God for his life. And you follow on down in this process, you know, totally selfless. It says in 2 Kings 3 and 11 that he poured water on Elijah's hands. That means he served Elijah with menial tasks. It literally means he helped him wash his hands before he had dinner. You know, he, he just, just served this man. And you know what? Three times Elijah rejected him. Three times Elijah said, God's called me on, but I don't want you to come with me. How many of that's a tough call? You know, he's given up everything to serve this man, to follow this man, to be discipled by this man. And three times the guy says, quit, go home. I'm sick of you. I don't want you hanging around anymore. I got this great revelation and I'm pushing on, but I want you to be part of that. How many would be encouraged? by that. You get a phone call and Pastor Glenn says, well, you know, we got this great thing going down in church and I don't want you to come anymore. But Eli come on, you've got to develop your own motivation. You've got, to, you've got to stir yourself. You've got to lay hold of the call of God on your own life for yourself. If you're a person that needs somebody to be wiping your nose and stroking your feathers all the time, friend, you are not going to make it. We are in a battle. Come on, somebody. And so Elisha understands this. And when you look at the journey early on in 2 Kings 2, there are four places that they pass through. And uh, one, is they start at Gilgal. And uh, Gilgal means a separation from the past. Separation from the past. Now he had made a commitment and broken away from the past as soon as he was called. But if you look at the history of Israel, it was easier for God to get Israel out of Egypt than it was to get Egypt out of Israel. <laughs> and so there was a process. And for Elisha, he had to count the cost of separation under the purposes of God every single day. 
Every day he's taken another step away from his old identity, his old lifestyle, his old preferences, his old position. It's the same for you and I. How many know God is calling you to go beyond where you're at right now? Come on. God has more. So you've got to, every day you've got to separate yourself. You've got to, you know, the past does not dictate your future unless you allow it to. So you've got to separate yourself from that. And because we're on a journey, we are in a process of preparation. See, well, one of the things you realize when you've been around church life a while, and you know, we've pastored a couple of churches and been privileged to travel a lot and see a lot of stuff across the body of Christ, and you realize not everybody that commits their life to Jesus becomes all that God intends because they don't commit to the process. And they won't go through the process of preparation. And they settle maybe for comfort and other priorities. Maybe they just get tired in the fight, weary of the battle. And maybe they're distracted by this or that or whatever it is. There's all sorts of reasons. Some people, you know, treat their commitment to local church like it's some sports club that you rock up when you feel like it. But do you know the only people that flourish according to the Bible are those that planted in the house of the Lord? That means you take ownership of the vision and take responsibility for what's going on and you engage with the people of God because you're on a journey with God and with the people of God. And, and it's that kind of commitment. And so we see that. And then they come to Bethel. And Bethel, of course, means uh, the house of God. Bethel is a place of encounter and fresh revelation. And it's about hearing from God. And it's not just a place that we need to visit. It's a place where we need to live. Part of the preparation is learning to live in His presence. And not just visiting God and not just looking for God to visit you. How many God know that God didn't visit you? He came to live with you and in you. Come on. The habitation of God, see. And so it, 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 it's a, it, the need to encounter God every day and to walk with Him every day. And like a little child, put my hand in my Father's hand and walk with Him step by step, everything in sync, just caught up with Him. And in all the routine of life, being more aware of His presence than I am aware of anybody else's presence or anything else and living out of that. But you know, there's... A, Another sense in which actually you are Bethel. You are the house of God. Uh, uh, corporately, we are the house of God, but individually, God lives in you. Come on, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. He's, he lives in you. And so you and I, are to learn what it is to conduct ourselves as Bethel and being Bethel to other people, we are a carrier of the presence of God. You are a carrier of the presence of God. And so that you and I, our whole lives really should be about just uh, being a facilitator for people to encounter God in and through our own lives because we carry the presence. And you know, there's nothing distinctive about Bethel. In fact, when Jacob discovered it, he was on a journey running from his brother. It was late in the day and he was looking for somewhere to have a sleep. And so he just kind of crashed in this place. You get the picture that he was traveling pretty light because he used a stone for pillows. I mean, you got to be a bit desperate for that. He's a hard-headed man. And so he lies down and, and he goes to sleep and he has no idea that there's anything significant or distinctive about this place. And he has a vision and he awakes 
And he goes, wow, I did not realize that God's presence was in this place. And you know, it's the same for you and I. There's nothing unique. There's nothing distinctive about us except for the presence of God. That's the only thing that makes us different. And we have to give our lives to that, to being the carrier of the presence of God. We're in a process of preparation that involves separation from the past, a commitment to doing the journey and discipleship and all that we can embrace of the presence and power and person of God in our lives. And then, of course, they come to Jericho. And Jericho is a place of victory where you have to defeat the enemy. And you know, it's a place that we visit many times through our life. And one of the things that we have to sharpen up on is discernment about spiritual warfare and engagement with that. Not chasing demons, not looking for demons, but how many know the devil wants to take you out? Come on. He just doesn't oppose the purpose of your life. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your health, your peace, your emotional well-being. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your finance. Come on, this is the good news department. He wants to wreck you. So you got to learn how to fight. That's why God will allow a Goliath to come in your life so that the David within you will emerge. And we have to learn how to stand up and be strong and take authority over the devil. How many know you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus? How many know no weapon formed against you will prosper? But you've got to take that, uh, you know, that authority, that promise of God, and you've got to activate that. You've got to stand on the Word of God. Don't let your theology be determined by your past experience or what other people are saying. Come back to the Word of God and say, I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I'm a child of the King. And you will not take this from me in Jesus' name. Because you, you just got to do that. And then, of course, they come to Jordan. And the name Jordan here uh, really speaks of, of going down of death. It's coming to the end of yourself. And it's a place where we cross over into a new dimension. Israel came to Jordan, and they crossed over it into the promised land. But what we often forget is that that crossing was perilous. It was a very dangerous place because Jordan at that time was in flood. Archaeologists tell us that in that region where they crossed, the river would flood to a kilometre, up to two kilometres wide. So here they're facing this mass of swirling, flooded water. And they know like you and I would know in the same situation, if I step into that, I'm going to be carried away by the current and I'm going to drown. But they stepped into it anyway. That's the place you got to go. That's, you got to go into that realm to tap into a double portion anointing. You, you see, we talked before about you being carriers of the presence of God, the Holy Ghost living in you. You have authority to go in His name and to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Here's the point. Every time in faith I lay hands on somebody, something shifts. 
something shifts. The laying on of hands is about the impartation of spirit power. But the problem is most of us don't believe that. And so we stand by the banks of the flooded river and we're too intimidated to step into it because we've got unanswered questions and we go, what would happen if they don't get healed? It's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to be obedient and learn to step beyond your own capacity and begin to access the power and the presence of God and release what you carry. That's what Jordan is about. It's going beyond myself. It's stepping into another realm. It's stepping into a place where if God doesn't come through, I'm going to look like an idiot. Don't answer that. It's also the place of miracles. Because when they stepped into it, the water parted. When Elijah and Elisha came back, the water parted. When Elisha came back and cried out, where now is the God of Elijah? The water parted. And and, you know, it's interesting. He called out, where's the God of Elijah? He did not say, where's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, which we would expect. Because that's the way that in the Old Testament, the prophets would refer to God and all of that kind of thing, the God of covenant. But see, he wasn't looking for the God of covenant. He was a covenant man, but he wasn't looking for the God of covenant. He's looking for the God of power and miracles. He's looking for the God of Elijah when he called down fire on Mount Carmel. He's saying, God, where, where, I know you as a covenant keeping God, but I want to discover you afresh as a miracle working power, you know, just bust through kind of break out God. I need to step into a dimension beyond what I know of covenant and your promises and I need to step into the realm of the supernatural and see the release of your power for myself. Come on, somebody. And I I believe that the waters of Jordan still part for those that have engaged with the process, that allowed God to do the preparation and find themselves in a position where there's a cry in their heart for more, not just more of what they've had, but to step into another realm. Kind of go, God, I'm ready for something bigger and better. And I I need to lay hold of the things I've not seen and not heard, but you've already prepared for them. And I'm prepared to step into that realm of the unknown and go beyond myself that I might lay hold of a new anointing. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Come on, why don't you just across this auditorium begin to reach out to the Lord and and just begin to ask Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I wonder how many in this place this morning are in that place of saying, God, I hear something. There's something stirring in my heart and it resonates with what I've been feeling and what you've been saying and where we're at at a church. And and I want to come and step into the waters of Jordan as it were this morning. I want to come and, and lay hold of that double portion and and I want you to take me beyond what I've known and beyond my ability and beyond my capacity and I want to step into something. I want to lay hold of you this morning, God, and I'm crying out for that double portion that we might see the the city healed, the region changed, not just temporarily but permanently from generation to generation. If that's you this morning, why don't you step out of your seat and come up the front end. Just come up and begin to cry out to God and say, God, thank you for all I've known, but I need more. Thank you, Father. I've been in a process for a long time. Come on, come right up the front, right up the front and begin to cry out to God in this house. 
Begin to cry out for fulfillment of purpose. Begin to cry out for an anointing that will release you into the fulfillment of all that God intends for you individually, corporately across this place. Father, today I release a double portion anointing over this house, over individual lives. I call in the fullness of your power and your purpose. I call in that anointing of wisdom and strategy and insight and understanding beyond the natural. Father, I pray that you would give your people courage to begin to activate the power that they carry, that you'd give them courage to step beyond where they've been. You'd give them courage to step into the realm beyond their own capacity, their own ability, and to begin to embrace something that's larger and greater and that will bring great glory to your name, to bring about permanent transformation, reformation across this region in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Right now, Holy Spirit, every life, right across, every marriage, every family, every business. Yes, Lord. As we go today, God, we just, we go in the power of your might. Lord, we go with faith this morning. Lord, we go with freedom, God. We go with an expectation that you're going to do something bigger than we could ever ask, hope, dream, or imagine. Today, we go with your promises, God. We go with hope to ones around us. We go to workplaces. We go to schools. We go to families, God. Lord, we go into environments with light. We go into environments with hope, God. And we declare life. We're ones who bring life, who breathe life, and who are part of the river of grace that flows from the throne of grace. And I just bless you, church, with promise today. I just bless you. Be blessed in the power of His name. Amen. What an awesome Sunday. Let's just put our hands together for the Lord. Thank you, church. Thank you, team.